Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Higher Frequency Podcast. I'm your host, Big John, and I thank you for joining us on this third episode. And I'd also like to welcome our friends that are listening in England, Ireland, and Germany, as well as our listeners here in the United States. Thank you for taking the time uh, to join us, and hope that... Uh, you're entertained, and we'll continue to listen. Before I get into the meat of the program, I'd like to, as always, give all glory, thanks, and honor to the Most High. And I thank Him for giving me this platform to be able to communicate with the people and hopefully share information that will encourage, inspire, motivate, or offer a different perspective that one has maybe has not previously considered. And... What we're going to do today, since we are in February and it is Black History Month, I figured I'd get into a couple of stories that have been making the news cycle lately and offer my two cents, whatever that's worth, and uh, offer an opinion. And you may agree, you may not agree, and it's okay to disagree. I'm just one guy offering an opinion. And in any case, We'll start with the first story, which is the uh, story of Brian Flores, the now former coach of the Miami Dolphins. And full disclosure, uh, I did grow up as a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, so there is some in-depth personal uh, vested interest on my part with this story, but I figured I'd offer full disclosure for the listening public. Now, Brian Flores, for those who aren't aware, uh, was previously the coach of the Miami Dolphins and had been for the last three seasons. And despite having winning records each of the last two seasons, he was ultimately fired by the owner of the franchise, Stephen Ross. After which, uh, Coach Flores was scheduled to interview for a head coaching position with the New York Giants football team. A franchise that has been around since 1925. And as of this recording, is still the only franchise in the league that has never had an African-American coach. Nonetheless, Coach Flores thought that he had a shot at getting a Giants job. And as the story goes, he allegedly received a text message from... New England Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick, who Coach Flores used to work for um, as a defensive coordinator with the New England Patriots. And in that text message, uh, Coach Belichick allegedly congratulated Coach Flores on winning or earning the head coach position with the New York Giants. Unfortunately, Coach Flores hadn't interviewed for the job yet. The job was actually given or awarded to Brian Dable. So, simply put, Coach Bill Belichick sent the text to the wrong Brian. And as a result, 
Coach Flores allegedly felt that this was a situation in which um, what's known as the Ruley Rule was being implemented here uh, for a sham interview. So now, for those who are not familiar with what the Rooney Rule is, the Rooney Rule is a rule that was put in place by the National Football League back in 2003. It is named after the former and deceased uh, Pittsburgh Steelers owner, Art Rooney II. And it is a rule that was put in place to uh, make it basically mandatory for teams to at least interview a minority candidate before deciding on their next head coach or whatever leadership position they saw fit to hire for. So essentially what we have here is, is a case in which the interview that uh, Coach Flores would have had with the Giants um, allegedly, in his view, uh, was nothing more than a sham interview. It was just part of the process of circumventing the rule of Rooney Rule. Take that for what you will. Again, these are only allegations. Nothing's been proven. Um, he had also interviewed with another team in which the um, authority figures who were conducting the interview allegedly showed up somewhat hungover from the previous night. I don't know this for a fact. This is what's been alleged. But the bottom line is, in any case, the interviews on the whole um, were not taken seriously, or the candidates, or the minority candidates um, in several situations, allegedly, um, were not being taken seriously uh, in the hiring process uh, for these head coaching positions. That is what the lawsuit is alleging. Um, in addition to that, um, former Dolph well, Dolphins owner uh, Stephen Ross, uh, Coach Flores alleges, offered him upwards of $100,000 to lose games on purpose for the sole purpose of gaining um, higher draft picks in uh, upcoming drafts, NFL drafts. So I do not know if this is true or not. That's being alleged. But the NFL has a very shaky history when it comes to dealing with minorities for certain positions. And I can only go back... I only need to go back as far as the late 70s, as far as the quarterback position is concerned. We had a quarterback named Warren Moon, who was passed over by all, at that time, 28 NFL teams, because the alleged perception of the black quarterback was that they were not, quote-unquote, smart enough to lead a team on the field. So Warren Moon had to go all the way up to Canada and play in the Canadian Football League. And all he did was win five championships in six years with the Edmonton football team. He's now currently in the Canadian Football League Hall of Fame. So after 1983, um, after his last season in the Canadian League, finally 
the then Houston Oilers, now Tennessee Titans, decided to bring him in as a quarterback. Well, all he did was lead the team to the playoffs a few times, arguably the best quarterback the franchise has ever had. And, oh, by the way, as of 2019, still holds 37 different passing records in terms of all quarterbacks for the history of that franchise. Now we'll bring this back up to the topic at hand. This is not the first time that there have been allegations of mismanagement, we'll say, by management of these NFL franchises or having sham interviews set up um, just to circumvent the Rooney Rule. Even prior to the Rooney Rule, we can go back to 2002 with coach Tony Dungy, who was then the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He built that team up from scratch and in six years took that team from basically a a, a doormat, a a long-time basement dweller in their division, and took them to two NFC Championship games and knocking on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. Well, in 2002, he was fired. And in comes John Gruden. And that's another story for another day. But John Gruden basically takes over the team that Tony Dungy built from scratch, walks right on in, and ever since has been credited with winning the championship with players that he didn't develop, that he didn't draft. But it is what it is. And after that Super Bowl, he ran that team right into the ground. He had a record of five and four in the playoffs. for his career, three and two in Tampa. Coach Dungy, he moved on to Indianapolis and had a total winning record of 85 wins, 27 losses. And that's in 13 years combined coaching between Indianapolis and Tampa. And oh, by the way, uh, he won a Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts in in 2006. The first African-American head coach to do so. So we bring this back to the head coaching position because now we've established some context in which uh, I'm going to lay out for you here more in detail uh, right now. So we have, at this point, since Coach Flores was fired, the Miami Dolphins have now, recently in the last couple of days, hired a guy named Mike McDaniel, who was previously the offensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers. 
He's only been an offensive coordinator for one season, this past season. Two and one record in the playoffs and had the team ranking seventh in total offense. Time will tell if this was the right hire. We'll see. Meanwhile, a guy that got passed over, who was um, just as worthy, if not more worthy, of being a candidate, um, was Kansas City's Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. His resume is as follows. He's been with the Kansas City Chiefs since 2013. Was promoted to offensive coordinator in 2018. What this man has done, he led in 2018, his first year as the offensive coordinator, led the team, well, actually the team led the league first in points uh, per game, first in yards per game, and their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, he developed And Patrick Mahomes became the first quarterback since Peyton Manning. They were the only two quarterbacks in history to throw for 5,000 yards and throw for 50 touchdowns in a season. Since that time, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, under Eric Bierre as the offense coordinator, has the third most points total in NFL history, in one season in NFL history, with 565 points. Oh, and also they won Super Bowl 54 uh, over the San Francisco 49ers, by the way. Um, To kind of give you an idea, to show you that I'm not overblowing um, the man's accomplishments. Now, Andy Reid is well-established, one of the most well-respected coaches in the league. But in his time in Philadelphia as the head coach, I'm talking about Reed now, he had a playoff record of one and four. But since Eric Bieniemy became the offensive coordinator with the now Kansas City Chiefs, as with Andy Reed as the head coach, they have a playoff record of eight and three, including that Super Bowl win. So we have to look at this and say, now, if this guy's built up a resume like that in three seasons, well, four seasons, how come he's being passed over for opportunities to be a head coach? When you have guys who have little to no experience who are, who are passing over this guy and being offered head coaching jobs. Now, some may say, sure, the owners have a right to hire who they want, and they do. But the problem is, is that, as I explained with the Warren Moon situation, the NFL has a very shaky history when it comes to race relations, despite the fact that 70% of the players in the league are African-American. So do they still have that mentality that African-American men cannot be leaders of men? Not for me to say, but it sure doesn't look like they feel that way, especially when you consider, as of this recording, there are now two African-American coaches 
and one was just hired yesterday. And that would be Lovey Smith with the Houston Oilers. But I digress. So we'll see how this story shakes out. But NFL, you have a long and shaky history. And it's time to get caught up with the times and get give people a chance to show what they can do, especially when they have a, a, clearly a better resume than some of the people that you're bringing in. And this isn't completely about color, but the vast majority of it is right is right, wrong is wrong. Do the right thing. And that's all I got to say about that. <clears throat> now, we'll move on from that. And uh, we'll get into the story of the Joe Rogan saga. And uh, I just recently heard about this over the last couple of days, but I've done some research on it. And we'll touch on the story a little bit in regards to what's going on here. Uh, now, apparently he already had a bit of a controversy in regards to uh, one of his episodes in which they went into the whole pandemic vaccine thing, which I'm not going to touch on this episode. Uh, people are entitled to feel however they choose about that topic, and, and I'll leave that up to them. That's, that's, their, that's their own choice. What I want to get into is this video clip that came out recently uh, that was submitted online uh, by the singer India Ali. I, I'm sorry. And uh, India Ali, I should say. I apologize. And it's basically a clip in which Joe Rogan, uh, the host of the Joe Rogan Experience, by the way, which is uh, broadcast on Spotify, which is also, full disclosure, one of the platforms in which that the high frequency podcast is broadcast on. Um, I saw the clip, and apparently, uh, Joe Rogan has dropped the N word twenty two different times in this montage of clips in which he's telling different stories. Um, he claims that it was taken out of context, whether it was or not. I, it's not for me to say, but what I do know is that he dropped the N-bomb 22 times, which is unnecessary. Now, we also have to keep in mind that he has a $100 million deal with Spotify uh, for them to have full exclusive rights to broadcast his shows. So... That's important here to keep in mind when you consider the vested interest that Spotify has uh, in relation to how this story plays out. So, amongst other things, besides the uh, barrage of N-word drops that Joe Rogan uh, uh, included in his verbiage, uh, there was also a reference in which he told a story, and I saw the clip of this also, in which he told a story about um, an occasion in which he went to a movie theater in, in a black neighborhood. And 
according to him, he was going to see Planet of the Apes. And this is a direct quote from him. Uh, during As he was telling the story, quote, We walked into Planet of the Apes. We walked into Africa, dude. End quote. Uh, he also mentioned that there were no white people there. So now if there's no white people there and there's all black people around and you're using the term Planet of the Apes, who is one to think that you're talking about? You know? It's hard to believe that the man didn't know what he was saying. But don't take my word for it. You can watch the video clip for yourself and make your own decision. Nonetheless, um, NDRE um, uh, voiced her displeasure uh, with the comments and the blatant and frequent use of the N-word and happened to mention on a video post of hers that how is this guy, and I'm paraphrasing, how is this guy getting a $100 million contract but Spotify makes a lot of its money on uh, streaming uh, music artists in which these same music artists are being paid 0.003% of all sales. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Nonetheless, um, after the first barrage of apologies that he had to dish out uh, because of the first controversy, Joe Rogan also issued an apology in regards to what he quoted as saying, quote, the most regretful and shameful thing that I ever had to talk about publicly, end quote. The problem with that, if you're going to be apologetic, then, you know, be completely apologetic. Don't try to hide behind excuses. What do I mean by that? Well, he follows th th that part of his apology by mentioning uh, the fact that comedians such as Richard Pryor, who actually had the N-word as part of his one of his album titles, I've heard that album title myself. And yes, there is some very salty language, which a lot of N-bombs and things like that are dropped, as well as Red Fox. And as they say, that was from a different time. Does it make it right? No. Um, the problem with that is, is that words like that are not socially acceptable today. And Joe Rogan, I don't believe, is not up to speed enough to not understand that. So, in any case, um, continuing with his comments during his quote-unquote apology. He says, I did not, nor would I ever, say that black people are apes. But it sure effing sounded like that. I was trying to be entertaining, end quote. Well, the problem with that is a couple of things. Number one, you can't say I have never or would I ever call black people apes when there's video of you saying exactly that. So not only do you give yourself, uh, put yourself in a position of sounding like a racist, Joe Rogan, 
But you're also a liar, too. Because you did say it. It's on tape. On your show. But whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Spotify CEO Donald Eck has done the PR thing and spoken out against the comments and saying that they don't believe in that and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but he also has um, come out and said that they are going to, in um, a response to the comments that uh, Joe Rogan has made, they are going to commit $100 million to the licensing, marketing, and development of audio content for um, historically underprivileged slash underserved uh, creators. So here's my question, Mr. Eck. Would you have donated that money for marketing, licensing, and development if Joe Rogan didn't say what he said, was it on your mind a year ago to do that? Was it on your mind a month ago to do that? Or was it only on your mind after your company got some heat for having a $100 million contract with this guy? I have to ask. Those are fair questions. Who's fooling who? You see, unfortunately, in both cases both with the Joe Rogan situation and also the allegations against Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross and the NFL, unfortunately, when it comes to corporations, they figure if I offer a little money, we can make these problems go away. Well, where I'm from, Mr. Eck, what you're doing is not out of the goodness of your heart. At least it, that's my opinion. Where I'm from, it's known as hush money. So don't come out with a half-hearted apology. Don't come out with a half-hearted uh, philanthropic uh, effort because you weren't thinking about that before all the controversy started. So just come clean and admit you're only doing it because you have $100 million locked up in Joe Rogan. You have a vested interest in the long-term future of his product. And you want to get a return on your investment. Let's just call it what it is. You know? But unfortunately, in the corporate world, this is business as usual. And I think it's disingenuous. I think it's insulting our intelligence. And I think that what we have are people in these corporations who need to understand that you can throw around all the money in the world. But you can't buy respect, you can't buy integrity, and you can't buy honor. 
and I don't see any amongst any of you. But again, that's just my opinion. Well, that's all I've got for right now, ladies and gentlemen. Just let me know what you think. Now, thank you once again for joining the Higher Frequency Podcast. I hope this is something that will give you all something to think about. And let's take what we've heard here as an opportunity to search inside ourselves and see what we can do to make the world a better place because it's not just enough to say I'm not racist. It's more honorable to be anti-racist because if you see something and say nothing, you might as well be a co-contributor to it. But, again, let's just do the best we can today to make the world a better place. That's all I've got for now. And we'll see you next time on the Higher Frequency Podcast.